Welcome to New Life Church Sermons. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to connect more with us, go to newlifesl.church. Tonight, though, I want to do a little uh, teaching on something that we started a couple weeks ago and uh, didn't finish it because I wanted to be able to cover it when the majority of the church was here. And since all of you came to church tonight, tonight's the night we're going to cover it. And uh, if, if you weren't here when we talked about good and evil, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast and, and listen to that because it's an introduction to this idea about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how it applies to us today. So tonight's going to be a continuation of that. However, I'll title it Flesh and Spirit uh, because now we're going to apply those two trees to our lives and the choices we make each day and how uh, we need to make sure that we are constantly choosing to eat from the right tree. Uh, Not based off of our own determination, but based on the determination of the Word of God. So we're going to let the Word examine us tonight. We're going to talk through a couple things. And I, I pray that you would hear it, because it's really important for us to hear this, because our response to this will uh, determine the level of revival that we are about to move into. So uh, let's pray. Let's lift our voice to the Lord and ask Him to speak to us tonight, and we'll get into it. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your Word We thank you for your people that are here tonight. God, I ask that as your word goes forth, that we would hear it, receive it, and believe it. We ask it in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We talked about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. How the tree of life, I mean, it is is directly connected to God, the source in those things, and when someone chooses to eat from the knowledge of good and evil, the big problem with that is it, it the, in one bite of fruit comes the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil. So we're aware of what's good. These things are good. And, and uh, so when we think we've achieved a certain amount of goodness, we're good. But yet, even... The uh, Pharisees, one went to Jesus and, and tried to trick him and said, you know, good, good teacher. And Jesus said, who are you calling good? There's none good but God. It's almost this deflection of, of the humanity of Jesus in, in, in this idea that there is none good but God. It's the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. And so the knowledge of good with the corruption of the human state, is where we get self-righteousness. The knowledge of good out of human ability in just following the rules is where we get pseudo-holiness that can creep into the church. I don't do these things anymore, and I do these things. And so we see this example in the Gospels where Jesus is talking uh, about these two men who are praying. One is a Pharisee. He's good, right? And he's hands lifted, voice lifted. I thank you, God, that I'm not like this man. (laughs) You know, that guy had too much of the knowledge of good and the fruit. But however, we see a man in the same example that is aware of his evil state. And no matter how righteous he is, it is still as filthy rags compared to Jesus. And so he's praying, forgive me, God, I am a sinner, beating his chest. And Jesus says, God has respect to that prayer. Why? Because it's done with humility. And there's no deceitfulness of self-righteousness. And so... Uh, That is the danger of the knowledge of good and evil. Doing good without a changed heart. That's the danger. And so, flesh and spirit, we talk about it. It all originated in Genesis 3. And we're 
You can go back and listen to the podcast to catch up with all those details. I encourage you to do so, but we're just going to get into it. Genesis 3, here's the question. What tree did the serpent want them to eat from? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The one that Jesus said not to eat of. Now, the motive was not about breaking the rules, though. That wasn't the motive. Now, they would break the rule, but that wasn't the motive. The motive was about bringing death and destruction. Why? Because the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. We get that in John, but we see it lived out the first time in Genesis 3. The motive was not, oh, I just want to get him to break the rules like a schoolyard bully. No, I'm trying to destroy what God has established. Now, we're just going to get right into it. I want to say something that will have a shock factor. Evil, unclean spirits, or the enemy, preys on the flesh. Not praise, praise. So make sure we understand that. Evil spirits, the enemy, preys on the flesh. And the things that we have not submitted to Jesus. And we'll break that down more and more. But I, I want you to understand something. That by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve were committing a work of the flesh. That's what that was. It, so we, we talk about disobedience and uh, breaking the rules and, and, and uh, you know, out of all the trees they could eat of, they had to choose the one tree that they were not supposed to eat of. But when it all comes down to it, it was simply a work of the flesh. It was an action done out of the desires of their flesh. And it was Adam and Eve who took the blame. Okay, Romans 5 talks about it wasn't by uh, the disobedience of the serpent that death reigned into the, came to the human race. It was by the disobedience of one man referring to Adam that death uh, came into the human race. And so Adam is to blame. Man, humanity is at fault for that choice of eating that forbidden fruit. And so it is a work of the flesh. However, what was being entertained before the work of the flesh? The serpent, an evil spirit. So it's a work of the flesh, but yet there was a conversation being had with the serpent before they made this choice. God was not in it. That's why it was a work of the flesh. This was not approved of God. This was completely in direct disobedience to God. It was complete rebellion against God. But before they made that choice, they were entertaining an evil spirit. Literally an evil spirit. It was literally an evil spirit. Not trying to get, you know, like super weird. I'm just wanting us to look at this story like perhaps we haven't looked at it too many times before. And how it connects to us today. Um, because out of that one bite of fruit comes all the issues of life. Out of all the issues of the heart came from that one bite of fruit. And before that happened, they were entertaining, allowing an evil spirit. Um, so, watch. From that moment on, works of the flesh then can provide an open door for an evil spirit. Um, so with that then... How, 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 do we, how do we know that? How, how can we kind of link some of this together? Well, look at the curse on the serpent. It says, dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Now, you know, Hebrew study and all of this, there, there, is, no, there is no 
logical explanation that they were talking to, to a literal snake. This story is an allegory, such. And, and so we look at how this serpent in, in, in sin and the desire of sin and all of these things, it's all consumed through the dust. And then it says in, in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of a woman, of the woman, would uh, be, his heel would be bruised by the serpent, but the serpent's head would be crushed by the heel of the seed of the woman. Referencing Jesus who would come, but dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Man is made of the dust of the ground. And so then, how does the enemy get through to us? Because here's the deal. The devil can't make us do anything. Right? So why in the world are there so many issues? In the world. Why do we have issues? You're like, I don't have any issues. The Bible says, out of the heart are all the issues of life. So if you don't have any issues, you're saying you don't have a heart. <laughs> we all have issues. We all have things we got to work through. And it all comes down to the flesh. And so the devil can't make us do anything. But he can trigger the flesh. Just like he could not make Adam and Eve eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As long as they entertained him long enough, they would end up acting on what he was enticing and encouraging them to do. So how does he get to us? The same way he got to Adam and Eve through their flesh. You know what is shocking to me in Scripture? Everything going on in the world, which is a lot, all the chaos, corruption, confusion, perversion, distortion, all comes from three things. John tells us what they are. He says all that is in the world. Is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So out of every single thing we see going on in the world and every new issue that gets a new title, it falls under one of those three categories. That's it. So we look at it and we say, oh, they, they have an addiction. No. It's called the lust of the flesh. Because out of control desire eventually gets control of you. So let's call it what the Bible calls it, lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, it's the same thing. It's you get an appetite for what you look at. Pride of life, it's the same thing. It's this pride found in the heart of humankind that, that is... Connected to the life we live here on earth. And all three of those categories were triggered when they entertained the serpent in the garden. That's it. So Galatians 5, 16 through 25 gives us a list of the works of the flesh. It's not exhaustive. And the fruit of the spirit. And I want to break this down for a moment. Because... Both are fruit. So Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit. Everybody say, walk in the Spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. So in other words, the things that are of the flesh are opposed to the things that are of the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. 
They're, they're opposite. They're not of the same mind. That's why Romans 8 talks about being carnally minded is enmity against God. And the carnal mind cannot be subject to the law of God. That's why a carnal-minded person and a spiritual-minded person literally don't get along. Because they're not of the same mind. Like, I don't even understand what you're saying. Why, why, why are you talking about this all the time? It, it's, it's, it's an opposing, conflicting, contrary opposition, flesh and spirit. They cannot be friends. They cannot be friends. The things of the flesh and the things of the spirit cannot and will not get along. Anybody believe that? That's in the word. Verse 18, but if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, here's verse 19 where it talks about the works of the flesh. We're going to work, we're going we're to just go through these works of the flesh for a moment and break them down in their literal definitions um, just so that we are aware. And then we'll get into the fruit of the Spirit, and we'll talk about what we can do to be who God wants us to be, to experience revival the way he wants us to experience it, and it'll, it'll be good. We'll end on a high note, hopefully. Verse 19 says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, meaning the works of the flesh will be visibly seen, and in, in, we're in the flesh and so the works of the flesh can literally be observed. Uh, adultery, fornication, falls under the category of sexual immorality. And that can take place in the heart and it can be acted out in the body. Uncleanness, that's, that's a broad word, okay, uncleanness. How do you define that? Well, it's a... It's, it's, it's really just anything that's not of God. Uh, but we look at this, and there's an observation. Continual unclean acts can lead to an unclean spirit. Because the Bible talks about unclean spirits. Lasciviousness. It's a, it's a sensual lewdness. Idolatry. It is image worship, of course. Uh, different in the Old Testament, per se, how we see it today, yet people still worship images. Uh, they just don't appear to be the same in North America as they do in the Old Testament. It's uh, image worship with a spiritual nature. It's uh, worshiping something other than our God, our Creator. What is that? Worship is uh, service. What do you serve? Who do you serve? So what does that look like? Who or what gets most of your time? Who or what gets most of your money? Don't say Gavin Newsom. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Um, who or what gets most of your energy? Your time, your talent, your treasure. Who gets most of it? Uh, who takes up most of your thoughts? In, in the direction of your life. That, that answers who you worship. And only you can answer that. So I encourage you to look at your life. Witchcraft. Now this is just a good, fun deal here. Because the Greek word for it is where we get our English word pharmacy. So that just really messed me up. Um, because it is as if... It is using a manipulative measure to achieve a certain outcome. Because I've heard some painkillers don't kill pain. They just make you not aware that there's pain anymore. So you think you're not in pain, but you're literally still in pain. Um, I'm not preaching against Tylenol, but I just want you to be aware of what that means. Um, so that's, that's, that's witchcraft. It's this manipulative action to achieve a certain result. Hatred. 
That word hatred means passively or actively hostile, secretly or openly opposing. That's a work of the flesh. Variance. That's contention. It's contention. We're not talking about contention flesh against spirit. We're talking about contention. Uh, Emulations. That's jealousy. Wrath. Indignation. Strife. This word strife means a faction or a group or clique within a larger group, party, government, organization, or the like, typically having different opinions and interests than the larger group. Strife. That's, that's what strife means. Little pockets. Well, I think we should do this. I think we should do this. I think we should do this. And this is my opinion. This is my opinion. This is my opinion. That's strife. There's no unity. We have the word seditions, which is disunion by uprising. So strife can lead to sedition. Sedition, disunion by uprising. Heresies. It is like this, part of choice or party of choice. Heresies. It's where we get the origin of political parties. And we see it in scripture acted out in the Corinthian church where a group says, we're of Paul, we're of Cephas, and the other group said, we're of Christ. There was heresies in the church because they were valuing one over the other. Here's a word, envyings. This word envying means spite, which is a petty ill will with the disposition or this prevailing mood or temperament to irritate and thwart, which is to baffle, by def- to defeat or completely frustrate. Murders, drunkenness, pretty self-explanatory. Revelings, it's a riotous letting loose and such like. Of the which, Paul says, I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So every single thing we just mentioned, Paul tells us, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We see here that work of the flesh is much more than just sexual immorality, drunkenness, drugs, murder, and bank robberies. Works of the flesh are a long list of things that can be in the heart only, but they're manifest. So if it's in the heart, it's going to come out through the words or it's going to come out through an action somehow, some way, at some point because it's a work of the flesh. Now, we look at this and we see something else. Ephesians 4, 22 through 27, Paul says to put off your old self. So everything we mentioned, work of the flesh, that's all connected to the old man, the old life. And he says to put it off. But he's talking to a church that's already been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, it's a reminder, you got to make the choice to constantly put it off. Just because you spoke in tongues the day you were filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean that you're once saved, always saved. Something could creep in and steal your inheritance. So put off the old man. And so put it off. These old selves belong to the former manner of life that we lived and is corrupt... Through deceitful desires. It's all connected to the flesh. Watch this. These things are connected to the flesh. Verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now renewed is to be new again. Which means once you were made new. Then the next day you need to be renewed. And the next day you need to be renewed. And renewed. How long do I have to keep getting renewed? Well, until you see him coming in the clouds of heaven with great power and glory, I got to constantly be renewed in the spirit of my mind. 
because there's something that is working to steal my inheritance and it comes through the flesh. And so verse 24, put on the new self. Create the new self, the new you. Everybody say the new me. The new me was created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. So not all anger is bad. There's a righteous indignation talked about in Scripture. A righteous indignation when you see injustice or when you see carnality working and you see a resistance against the things of God. It can create a righteous indignation in you. But be angry and do not sin. Why? Well, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So reconcile. Why? Verse 27 says, give no opportunity to the devil. Meaning, if we let something burrow in our flesh, it gives opportunity to the devil. Meaning, we can open ourselves up to an evil spirit. So the works of the flesh are a big deal. Whether it's murder or murmur, it can open ourselves up to an evil spirit. Watch this, give no place to the devil. Right after verse 26, of course he's talking about other things, but right after verse 26 he mentions give no opportunity to the devil, insinuating that we can't let offenses fester because it will burrow down And it opens up a door to the devil. Galatians, back to the fruit now. Everything we talked about that's works of the flesh, you can call that the fruit of the flesh. Because that is what is produced through working and living and acting out in the flesh. But there's a better fruit. All the fruit that's produced out of the flesh goes all the way back to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the fruit of the Spirit is fruit that can be produced from the tree of life, which is the source, which is the Spirit of God. So Paul says in verse 22 that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, or self-control. I, I got this uh, revelation that I'm seeking to let the Lord work out in me to a complete work. That I think uh, every, every Christian, obviously, I mean, it's in the Word of God, so. <laughs> but the greatest authority Jesus ever showed on this earth was self-control. It's not flashy, though. One of the greatest examples is he's hanging on the cross as they mock him, and he just self-control. He stays there. He could have come down. He stayed there. That's obviously just one example. But those things are fruit of the Spirit. Now, how do we produce the fruit of the Spirit? Well, one, Paul says, they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Watch that. He didn't say addictions and struggles. He said affections and lusts. Meaning we got to put things to death. What has to be put to death? Anything we mentioned earlier, the works of the flesh, all of them have to be put to death. And then he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So how do we produce the fruit of the spirit? It's simply by living in the spirit. If we are led by the spirit of God, we will produce the fruit of the spirit. But if we are led by our flesh, we will produce the fruit of the flesh. Which fruit is simply the effect or consequence of an action or an operation. And so Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone 
to devour. He doesn't care who. He just needs somebody to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Nobody is exempt and everybody is going through something. But we've got to be firm in the faith. Because if we're weak in the flesh, our adversary will easily devour us. And he'll devour you and let you stay on a pew. That is the thing we have to be aware of. We can be consumed but sitting on a pew. That is the frightening deceitfulness of the works of the flesh. Yet James tells us in chapter 4, verse 7, in verse 6 he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What's the first step? Humble yourself. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. The first step, i got to submit myself to God. What part of me do I have to submit? Yourself. What part is that? Yourself. <laughs> Yourself. You, all of you, you have to submit yourself to God and then resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded or two-spirited. Two-spirited. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tree of life. We can't eat from both trees because there's just something about this tree. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, it pulls. And that is the source that Satan can consume us through. So as I wrap up here, Jesus made a statement in his infamous Sermon on the Mount. That should be the theme and the driving force in all of us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Notice it's all about consuming. Flesh is all about consumption. But so is the spirit. And if we desire to consume righteousness, spiritual things, the things of God, you will be filled. The key is this. Hunger in this context is simply des describing craving. Somebody doesn't like peas, they don't eat peas. Why? Because they don't like peas. You just simply don't eat what you don't want to eat. We have that luxury in the United States. We just don't eat what we don't want to eat. So if we're not eating this, it's not because the devil's fighting us. It's because we just don't want to. If we're not thirsty for the things of God, it's not because the devil's too strong. It's just we're not thirsty for the things of God. But Jesus said, whoever drinks of this water will never thirst again. And, and, and Jesus said, whoever believes in me out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Whoever is thirsty, come unto me and drink. Spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst will be satisfied in Jesus. But if we're not hungry for spiritual things and we're not thirsty for spiritual things, we're not going to eat and drink because we only consume what we crave. So it's not the devil. It's us. Because the devil can't make us do anything we don't want to do. However, he can bring on some strong temptations. And he can come at you pretty hard. Oh, yes. 
but we still have that choice. The word thirst here is a sensation of dryness. That's what it is, much like my throat is right now. A sensation of dryness. Has anyone ever felt dry before? Okay, just me. Dry. You know what's interesting about this? This is going to come together to help us in this area that we are going to have, starting to have, a powerful region-shaking revival. I've shared this dream with you many times, but this is the point I want to focus on tonight. Not the serpents, but the condition of the land. The land was dry. Dry. The ground was parched. And Jesus gives us an example in Scripture that then causes there to be no surprise that in the dry land in that dream, there were serpents everywhere. Unclean spirits. Spirits of the enemy. Evil spirits. They were in a dry place. Okay, Hear this. Jesus says in Matthew 12, verse 43, he says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also in this wicked generation. It all goes back to thirst, though. Dryness. What is the antidote for spiritual dryness? The river of living water. If people... People are dry in this area. People on this pew tonight are dry. What do I do to fix the dryness? First, we must stop entertaining the thing that makes us thirsty and then open ourselves up to God where the river of life can quench the spiritual thirst. What do we do in the natural when we want to see changes in the physical? We change our eating habits. What do I got to do to see changes in the spiritual? Change my eating habits. I'm going to cut this tree of the knowledge of good and evil down. And I'm going to go back to the tree of life. And that's where I'm going to be filled I'm no longer hungry and I'm no longer thirsty. And Jesus said, blessed is that person. But that word blessed isn't just saying he's happy. You're happy, yeah, but it's favored. Favored is the person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for they will be filled. Do we want the favor of God in this church? then we just need to eat from the tree of life and we need to drink from that spiritual well, that river of living water, and the favor of God will flow through this place undeniably. It's not going to be flesh against spirit. It's just going to be I'm changing my eating habits. I'm going back to the tree of life. I'm going back to the river of living water. However, what... Wars against, I'm going a little long tonight, but we're getting through this because this is setting us up for big time revival. Talking about the type of revival that they write about in the newspapers. Talking about the type of revival that causes the uh, fire marshal to, hey, what's going on here? Talking about the type of revival where you walk into the mayor's office and pray him through to the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about that type of revival. Oh, yes. So we got to get this tonight because we're the army in this city. And I know we look like the Minutemen 
all 35 of us, that's okay. If one can put 1,000 to flight and two can put 10,000, how many can 35? Oh, yeah. So, what do we got to do? Well, here, here, here's the deal. What, what is the number one thing that wars against our spiritual appetite today? Man, I'm going old school tonight, guys. Entertainment. Let's drop the hammer now at 8, 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. You know what God's been revealing to me? Just thinking about some things and obviously if I'm leading us I got to be more committed than anyone, right? God's been helping me understand certain things. And um, no matter, is that harmless or not? It's not about if it's harmless or not. Does this break a commandment or not? It's not about that. Watch what the word entertain means. Not entertainment, but the word entertain means. One of the definitions of entertain means to receive and to take into consideration. Well, is this movie bad? I mean, will you go to hell for watching it? Can't really answer that question. But the word entertain means you're receiving and considering whatever you're being entertained by. Entertainment nowadays, though, is in so many different forms. We got social media, we got movies, of course, we've got music, we've got, uh, I mean, my God, you know, politics are entertaining now. So, entertain isn't just referring to Hollywood, even though that is definitely the first place winner. <laughs> entertain is this. What are you receiving and what are you considering? Well, I'm not doing it, but you're considering it. I, I'm not acting on it, but you're receiving it. Receiving it where? Into your spirit. Because the eyes are the window to the soul. Entertain. So if we want to be spiritually sensitive, we cannot be consistently entertained by things that dull our sensitivity to his spirit. It's like, well, I'm not doing these terrible things. No, but spiritually dull is just as dangerous because spiritually dead is one thing. Spiritually dull, you can't tell which way the wind's blowing, so you're still lost. And so because of that, that is the number one thing that is warring against the mind and the spirit of every person. And the people of God have to be a beacon of hope and light. And we just have to go the extra mile. And we have to guard our heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. And I don't need any help being stupid. So I shouldn't receive and consider things that will encourage me to be stupid. That makes sense? That makes sense? I encourage each of us to consider this. However, the good news is this, is that if we in our life have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, what is the key to uh, just living in the Spirit? Paul says, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead, we will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. Twelve, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies or the works of the flesh to make you obey its passions. We don't have to give in anymore. But if we watch what we're entertained by, we then have dominion over those things and it won't reign in us anymore. And what's happening is, is when you went down in the waters of baptism and were filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus gave you the authority to take back control of your life, not so you can live your life the way you want to, but you don't have to give in to those things anymore. But if you're only being fed by those things, you're naturally going to be drawn to what you're consuming. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Paul's saying, my flesh is dead and it's Christ living in me. So we may still be in this flesh, in this flesh, but we don't have to live by this flesh. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory, working in me. Doing the work, transforming me. I may have a ways to go, but my prayer is this. Just keep working on me, Jesus. Just keep working on me, Jesus. I'm just going to stay at the tree of life, and I'm going to let every fruit of the Spirit continually grow in me. And I don't want anything in the flesh to oppose it. Whatever your Spirit's wanting to do in my life, I want it to have its full work. Whatever your spirit's wanting to do in this church, I want it to have its full work. It doesn't matter what I think. I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. The tree of life is the source. So keep working because he's the author and finisher of our faith. He that began a good work in us is able to complete it. And why do we need to eat of the tree of life and cut down the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because there's only one tree in heaven. Revelation 22, 1 through 2, he showed me a pure river of water of life. Spirit, Spirit of God. Clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river. On either side of the river. It's a big tree. The tree of life on either side of the river the tree of life which bare 12 manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations I need to be spiritually whole I'll tell you where that's going to take place at the tree of life it's a spiritual work. It's a work of the Spirit. The tree of life is the source. Let's stand. This passage right here, as I'm closing right now, is a powerful passage. That if we will eat of the tree of life, we ourselves will be a tree. Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. Blessed is the one, blessed, favored is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked, works of the flesh, or stand in the way that sinners take, works of the flesh, or sit in the company of mockers, works of the flesh. But those who delight, those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person, everybody say that person, is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be. Planted like a tree, 
in rivers of streams of water. What type of church do we want to be? It's all in the logo. A tree planted in streams of water. Let's lift our hands. Let's worship the Lord right now. Father, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence that is in this place tonight. Father, forgive us of being entertained by things that feed the flesh. But God, I pray tonight, let us make decisions to put to death the works of the flesh and the members of the flesh that war against the spirit. I don't want to be carnally minded, God, and war against your spirit. But I want my spirit, soul, and body to be preserved blameless until you're coming. Father, I pray that you would help each man, woman, and child to make a decision to get back to the tree of life, to meditate on your word day and night, to be a person of prayer, to live and walk in the spirit, to shun the things of the flesh, to give no place to the devil, O oh God, but to give our heart fully to you because we will have the favor of God in our lives and we will be like a tree planted in rivers of living water. I pray that every home of New Life Church would be like a tree planted in the river in their neighborhood. Let every person in their job be like a tree planted in the rivers of living water in that workplace, oh God. Let this church be like a tree planted in the rivers of water in this city that those who are hungry and those who are thirsty can come into this place and find strength and restoration and help and hope. But God, your people must be whole and we must live at the tree of life. Give us spiritual hunger again, oh God, like never before. An appetite for the things of your spirit like never before. A craving for your word like never before. And out of that hunger, God, let there be a revival that would sweep through this city. Because the people of God are on fire. Now this city can be set on fire. Let us be like a tree, oh God, I pray.